0: Welcome to episode number two of the Soldiers of the Immaculate podcast. This episode is being recorded on Friday, first Friday, January 5th, 2024. Father, would you start us in a prayer, please?
1: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, most compassionate Virgin Mary. And never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Spied by this confidence, we fly unto thee, O Virgin, o virgins of Mother. To thee we come, before thee we stand, sinful and sorrowful. Mother of the Word, Incarnate, despise our petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer them. Our Lady, Seat of Wisdom and Spouse of the Holy Spirit. Pray for us. Her Lady of Fatima. Pray for us. St. Francis, St. Bonaventure. Pray for us. St. Peel. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.
0: father we're into 2024 at the start of the new year and just like uh starting the day we want to start the new year off well maybe that starts with learning how to start the day off well
1: yes uh, as i said uh last week i want to try to help everyone and those that are serious about the spiritual life and really want to become holy there's certain basic uh steps we have to take and so the first i said starts with a morning offering the the minute we wake up in the morning and so i always tell people you could tell where you're at, kind of what's your first thoughts in the morning and uh hopefully about god but if it's about the way how your stocks are doing or maybe you're worried about your first cup of coffee or the day ahead of you we don't we want to try to uh to really make sure that it's god and so as I said last week, the first thing you should do is really jump out of bed promptly, too. And, and that's a form of penance. So we're all guilty of it. I know I am. Not all of us, but sometimes we like to hit the snooze button. But if we do this for love of God and say, you know, I want to respond quickly when I wake up and uh, just really prostrate ourselves on the floor and stretch out our arms in the form of a cross and just praise the holy trinity which is the father the son and the holy ghost that dwells in us if we're in sanctifying grace just that statement alone we could spend time much time on but i don't think we think about it enough i know i don't but we have to the more we think about it because today we always hear about these identity crises, and more today you know girls think they're boys boys think they're girls everybody has these identity crises today Priests have identity crisis, and you could you could see the effects of all this. But if we just come to the to that one fact in the morning when we're prostrating ourselves on the floor, that we're praising the Holy Trinity, that we are created in the image and likeness of God, and that if we're in sanctifying grace, that that Holy Trinity, the whole world can't contain the Holy Trinity. You know, but but that Holy Trinity is dwells within our soul and and that is such an awesome awesome thing and that's why our body has dignity too that we're temples of the holy ghost and so when we do this act and we're honoring god right away we we could this will affect us throughout the rest of the day they say, say i'm a walking tabernacle i'm in the state of sanctifying grace if you're not then your soul is empty and that's a horrible thing and because uh, once your soul's empty, it's open to receive other things that are not holy. And that happens if we fall into mortal sin. And so we want to get down on posture of self and give our whole life every day. Thank him, praise him first and worship him, worship God. And there's a great book in the church called The Reculta. And uh, Max, the moderator, will list it today, too, for the books. And you can still get a copy of it. And these are uh, a collection of indulgence uh, prayers and good works. And it is a beautiful book that has tons of prayers. And in the beginning, you could see prayers right to the Holy Trinity uh, that we could start our day off. In the beginning, this may help you if you're not used to doing this. And if you break down this prayer and study it, you can see it's a beautiful prayer. So I'm just going to read one and in, in the old code you know we had these prayers these indulgences went by days uh 50 days 100 days this one happened to be 300 days which means out of pregatory so this prayer is beautiful i want to i'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote from uh Reculta, a prayer to the holy trinity i adore thee O oh my god one god in three persons i annihilate myself before thy majesty thou alone art being life truth beauty and goodness i glorify thee i praise thee i thank thee and i love thee all incapable and unworthy as i am in union with thy dear son jesus christ our savior and our father in the merciful mercifulness of his heart and through his infinite merits i wish to serve thee to please thee to obey thee and to love thee always in union with Mary, Immaculate, Mother of God, and our Mother, loving also and serving my neighbor for thy sake. Therefore, give me thy Holy Spirit to enlighten, to correct, and guide me in the way of the commandments and in all perfection until we come to the happiness of heaven, where we shall glorify thee forever. Amen. And like a so that is such a beautiful prayer, and it, and it's it's trying to outline for us what we're supposed to do as Catholics, and 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 we're begging the Holy Trinity to come that's in our soul to to bless us and to guide us like once again the Holy Spirit to enlighten us to correct us and to guide us on the way in the way of the commandments, and this is a beautiful thing. So. And when you go throughout the rest of the day, you could fall back on this, uh, this offering and remember what it's about. Praising God. That's the, 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 the whole purpose on earth is to get to heaven so that we could spend eternity with God in heaven. And, and this is awesome. There's another prayer. I'll read it real quick. It's a beautiful prayer. It's a consecration to the Holy Trinity. And I, and I read this. In order that I may be a living act of perfect love. I offer myself as a whole burnt offering to thy tender love, beseeching thee to consume me continually, letting my soul overflow with the floods of infinite tenderness that are found in thee, that so I may become a martyr of thy love of God, O oh God. Let this martyrdom make me ready to appear before thee and at last cause me to expire. Let my soul cast itself without delay into the everlasting arms of Thy merciful love. With every beat of my heart, I desire, O my dearly beloved, to renew this offering an infinite number of times until that day when the shadows shall vanish and I shall be able to retell my love in eternal union with Thee. And so, this book, my friends, is loaded with hundreds and hundreds of prayers. To the holy trinities novenas, to the great saints and so uh like i said it will be listed and you could even purchase this book today still it's reprinted so this is your beginning of the day and you could fall back on these prayers once again okay max we can move on here to the questions that we had from some uh listeners
0: yes we have three different questions uh I actually field these from some friends who, who listened to the first podcast. Um, if you have questions for the podcast, please send those to questions at SOTI podcast.org. And if you don't want to memorize that email address, just look in the show notes where you're, uh, seeing or listening to this podcast and we'll address your, your question, uh, in a future episode. The first question has to do with cannabis. Dear Father, in many states, it's now legal for medical and even recreational purposes to consume cannabis, either through smoking it or through salves or other means. Is the use of cannabis morally acceptable at any level, for example, medical, or should one consider it to be forbidden across the board?
1: Well, let's just start out right away. As far as recreational, it's definitely a grave mortal sin, because anything that's going to alter your state of consciousness is, is going to be a mortal sin, just like Getting drunk is a mortal sin. And so right there, and uh, there are many, many studies out there now, tons of them uh, by uh, real scientific studies that are showing that marijuana is is very bad for you. Mental health, it it really affects your mental health severely, uh, causing all kinds of problems. it's, uh, it, it causes uh, people to be violent too, which, you know, you always hear that it makes people calm. And some people say, well, it doesn't do that to me, but there's enough studies out there to show you that it, it really has a lot, affects people in a really bad way. So as far as recreational means, there's no way. And as far as you're gonna use it for medicinal purpose, they, they say there's good proof that it helps them, but they have ways where they take out the, what is it the thc whatever it is that gets you high and so uh as long as that's not in it i would say uh, you know it, it may work for you uh check with your doctor whatever but uh so that's why i would say i don't think it's for medical reason i guess i would say it's all right as long as you're not getting stoned out of your mind and you know uh but just be careful to
0: Okay, and I suppose it probably also depends on the circumstances too. It, it, in the same sense that if you are in, um, you know, some kind of surgical requirement where you're being given opiates, uh, some of those are pretty dangerous and have nasty side effects, and there are documented cases where people get hooked, not only hooked on opiates, but then when their doctor cuts them off, they go through a, a withdrawal and they deal with that by sourcing heroin from the black market. Not not to recommend opiates or or, or to justify that. I'm, I'm just saying that. Could it be that in some medical cases, a stronger form, even if it kind of uh, mildly alters your, your, your state of, of consciousness, could be permissible in the same sense that in the older days, um, people would literally get drunk before surgery. And that's where we get the phrase that you're feeling no pain because you've had so much alcohol. It's, it's an exceptional circumstance, but it could be legitimate in some cases, right?
1: Oh, without, yes, like I said, legitimate and, but in the rule, and it's good you're bringing this up too, because there's such a big problem today with people that are getting hooked on these painkillers because if they come back from an operation and these doctors, uh, I think are too liberal with giving these uh, painkillers out and many people, many people get hooked on them. I have helped a lot of souls get off these painkillers, uh, and and even when you are sick or especially like cases like hospice too is which i call them like murder incorporated because uh, it's horrible uh most of them are not uh you know they're murdering people people that go that are in hospice not all of them but most a lot of them i deal with a lot of cases that's one of the things they do they put people on their uh, some kind of painkiller or opi uh what do you call methadone or something like that and they whether the person's in pain or not i've seen cases i had a fight for people's lives like this and and they get them they give it to them usually right before they're ready to eat and then they can't eat it takes away their appetite and you know the church says too like when you're in excruciating pain you could take the the doctors allow to give you some medication to take the edge off but never to the point where you're not cognizant where you can't make acts of faith hope and love to God where you where your mind you don't have your faculties and so you got to be careful with all these things and like and as Max said there's some people that they get hooked they're really addicted then they can't either get them on the black market uh you know oxycodone say or something and then they end up going for the cheap stuff crack and other things and they just end up uh you know drug addicts junkies so a lot of people out there are, you know i've had to tell people and they get offended so i say you're nothing you're 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 a legal junkie you may not you know but you're still a junkie you're hooked on on these these uh painkillers that are destroying your life and i knew uh A pharmacist who this one pharmacist he was in charge of a lot of the VA a big section of it and he and he he had the power to go and reevaluate all the patients and see the drugs he said he had people on 20 30 drugs and he would be able to get them down to a handful and like I would call him sometimes some uh, if I was dealing with someone on these painkillers and he says, no, they couldn't prescribe. Uh, or he give me a list of them that are not addicting, and this and that, and so I'd be able to tell, go to your doctor, tell them to get you off of this stuff, you know. So it's 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 a big problem today, especially now you got this fentanyl all out, which is is so many people are dying from it. It's a shame.
0: Well, it fits in with American society where instead of doing something hard, you just take a pill for it. And unfortunately it also goes along with not wanting to feel any pain along the way and
1: this is and this is the problem too and uh you know a lot of people mock uh the catholic faith because we're told to you know offer it up or and but what we're called by christ to deny ourselves pick up our cross and follow him and so when we're in these situations like this it's a great uh penance and to offer that pain up uh you know to our lord and but like Uh, There's many heretics out there, especially Protestants and Protestants are heretics, you know, some of them don't know it. They may be material, but they're heretics and they don't believe in uh, the gospel and suffering. They believe in the gospel of prosperity. You know, if God loves you, you're not going to suffer. You're not going to be in pain. You're going to be rich. You're going to be wealthy and you're going to have everything you want. And that's that's a gospel from hell.
0: Okay. The next question, are certain body positions sinful? Dear father, I started a new workout program, which is not yoga. It involves a lot of stretches and exercises meant to increase range of motion. It's something aimed at people who have been sitting at a desk or a cube for the last 15 years and have let their range of motion atrophy. Several of the stretches and exercises mention that the movement is quote, the same as such and such position in yoga, end quote, which alarms me because I know that yoga is evil. Are there positions or poses of the body which are inherently evil or open one up to evil influences in and of themselves. I'm not trying to be scrupulous, but when I've asked priests this question in the past, including priests who have spoken out strongly against yoga, they either don't answer the question directly or they don't answer it at all. My goal is to improve my health, not to unconsciously invite a demonic influence. Am I being overly concerned?
1: Oh, I, I, I would say no. Uh, this is really important today because there's many Catholic churches in their parish halls. They allow uh yoga and they call it a christian form of yoga there's no such thing as a christian form of yoga you know the uh the this is pure evil yoga and uh and the positions in yoga that are uh, these are position of goddesses and uh, idols and when you put yourself in that position believe me you're inviting the, those those demons and that's what they are the gods of the pagans are demons you know uh to come into you literally. And I've dealt with people that were uh, dealing with yoga and, and they get very offended if you bring this up. But so I had one young man come to me and I told him, listen, uh, and they had him even doing mantras too. And I told him about, you know, you're putting yourself in these positions and you're going, you're opening yourself up for evil to come in. And I said, and you're doing mantras? He said, yeah. I said, you, do you know what that means? And he goes, no. I said, well, you go to the, the yogi master there and and tell him you want to know what it means. He's going to tell you. He won't tell you. But then tell him that you, you're going to drop out. You're not going to continue to pay him and come for lessons. And that's what happened. And so the guy told him. And he admitted to him that they were names of demons. And so there he is standing on his head, calling on demons by name. And just as you call on St. Michael, Saint Gabriel, uh, and and your guardian angels and other I guess they come. Well, guess what? You're gonna call on these bad ones, they're gonna come too. So that's those positions are wicked. Now, as far as other positions, uh can they be uh, bad? They may not be positions of say uh, that represent a, a goddesses or something or, or you know an idol. But you got to be very careful today. There's such a violation of the virtue of modesty. It's unbelievable, and that I don't see how anybody can go to a gym today because I consider gyms near occasions of sin for man and woman, uh, and and because everybody and you know, i was going to say and their mother and grandmother is dressing modestly there and and it's it's really bad so if you're going to be doing certain stretching exercises especially if you're at a gym or around other people you're you're going to be leading people into sin that's for sure most likely so i would say you got to be very careful but there are stretching exercises. that are good. God, you know, we are body and soul. It's good to keep fit, but we have to be careful that doesn't become we don't become obsessed with that, and we be, and we worship ourselves. Then we be, you know, it's uh, we become narcissist, and that's and we're living in a society filled with that. And uh, so, I would say, exercise is good. Make sure it doesn't be, make sure that God is first in your life. And that you exercise, you know, you know, to keep healthy, that's fine, but don't be obsessed with it and, and it shouldn't take up the, uh, the majority of your time.
0: Would it be safe to say that if certain exercises or, or, or uh, stretches happen to mimic something similar in yoga, the important thing is to not, uh, I don't want to use the phrase quite this way, but this is the only thing that makes sense at the moment, is don't adhere to the spirit of yoga.
1: Yes, you you just and like yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, I know they say Pilates is good as as many exercises you could do stretching, but like I said, be careful too where you're around, you know. And even you could say, "Well, I'm a mother at home." Well, you know, but you got kids and boys. You shouldn't be dressing immodestly at home either, in, in front of anybody, you know. So we really have to cultivate this virtue of modesty, you know. And uh, believe me, it, it does affect you how you think, and it affects your whole department. Well, if, if once you start violating rules of modesty, I mean, uh, the great Pius Twelfth was known as a defender of purity, and he warned parents against uh, 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 sports, especially for a young woman, uh, especially, he said, uh, gymnastics because it's it's very, very immodest. And, you know, where they, you know, you want to say, I'm not saying they're using yoga positions, but they're, they're doing all kinds of uh, acrobats and all kinds of stretches and all kinds of things that are no good for anybody to watch.
0: One, one more thought that comes to mind with regard to yoga. And I'm by no means an expert on this. I'm just going by what I've heard in sermons. But I think one of the spirits of yoga is you're supposed to empty yourself of yourself but you don't replace it with anything. And of course, even uh, nature and supernature abhors a vacuum. In the spiritual life, the only time I've ever heard any reference to emptying yourself was in an Ignatian retreat, and the whole point was to let the Holy Spirit fill you up. In other words, get rid of your own um, ego, your own concupiscence, and let the Holy Ghost fill in. Not empty yourself of everything and see what demon decides to drop by.
1: Well, yeah, whatever. It, like all Eastern mysticism is is from hell. Period, and that's what it is. You know, you annihilate yourself, you bring yourself emptying yourself. Like I said, if you're a mortal sin, you know your em- your soul is open. That's you know, you're open for possession easy simple as that so yes you got to be really really careful you never do that you want to be filled with and like i said in the morning offering we're doing hopefully we're in the state of grace with our soul is filled with the holy trinity god himself i mean that's what we want you know
0: okay the third question the general um, summary is can i attend the wedding or the reception dear father I am tempted to stop attending weddings of nephews, nieces, cousins, and other extended family members due to concerns or evidence in some cases that the wedding might not be valid. Example of circumstances include the bride and groom not being chased before the wedding, wedding, cohabitating in some cases, a Catholic couple getting married in a park by a minister, one of the two uh, who used to be Catholic and now left the church, but they're getting married in a Catholic church without repenting or amending their life, Is it a serious sin to not ask questions and to accept everything on a superficial level and attend a wedding just because it's a close family member and we don't want to lose them. Should I, and secondly, should I allow such questionable couples to stay at my house in the future or accept an invitation from them to stay at their house?
1: Well, this is a big problem. And it's one that many people give into the sin of human respect and, uh, and priests too, unfortunately. So yeah, we, you, you covered a lot. There was a lot in that question, like, you know, should you go to if someone's getting married outside the church, that Catholic? No, you cannot go to that wedding, you know, at all. And and uh, it, you, it's a mortal sin to go to that, objectively. And now, subjectively, you know that you can't do it. It doesn't matter if it's your daughter, your son. You know, it doesn't matter if it's your mother. You know, whoever you can't you can't do. It. It's not blessed. You have to follow the precepts of the church and so many people uh they have a hard time with that but they say well I don't want to break my relationship I you know the priest bad priest tell them well you got to keep your relationship you know keep the door open you don't want to sever ties but no 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 you you're not severing ties they they're the ones that are that are offending God and if you go to that wedding then you you keeping doors open, but you're cutting yourself off from God. You're committing the great mortal sin. You're confirming them in their error, and and this is a wicked, wicked, wicked. So many people, and I'm surprised when they say, "Okay, if I can't go to the ceremony or you know wherever it is, can I go to the reception?" And and I just you know, shake my head. You got to be kidding. So in my missions, I talk about this, and I say, imagine a, a young man like. 15 years 16 years old whatever 20 years old goes to his father say dad i got my 45 locked and loaded i want you to come with me i want you i'm going to shoot uh so and so i'm going to i'm going to kill him i'm going to shoot him in the head and would you come and and your father says no i won't come but i'll meet you in the in the pub later to celebrate or something I, i mean it's ridiculous you're celebrating someone committing grave scandal number one And then number two uh you know adultery at times or at least fornication if they were married and then remarried outside the church then it would be adultery and and you're celebrating that then you can't do it you can't give them gifts you can't go to their houses when they're when they they're not not being blessed by god now if they're two protestants or say two uh schismatics like greek russian orthodox uh you know can you go to the wedding uh you know then you know you can go but I wouldn't go to the ceremony then in the church because you can't participate it's a great mortal sin to participate in schismatic and heretical worship you know and that's why so many Catholics they even they go into Protestant churches with their spouse who's Protestant you can't it's a grave mortal sin you know in the today's uh modern church, which is 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 horrible, they allow all these things, but it's still a grave mortal sin. Uh like if two Protestants get married, is that a valid marriage? So there's it would be considered valid, but a natural marriage, it would not, it would only be a sacramental marriage, is if, say, if two of the people are baptized and there's no impediments. So for two Protestants are baptized uh you know would be considered a valid the church says sacramental marriage but say a person we've had a cat i've had this where a catholic wants to marry someone who was protestant and the protestant was married and divorced normally the catholic church would would want to see an annulment from the protestant to prove that the marriage was not valid that there was some impediment there uh and then the church says, like, if a Catholic wants to marry uh, a Protestant or someone that's not of the Catholic faith, we need a, 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 a an adult, uh, an indult to marry that person, a, a, a cult. Uh, and this is uh, because they're of another faith. Now, if you marry a Catholic, has permission to marry a Protestant, the Protestant's baptized is considered uh, valid. Sacramental marriage because the, the the Protestant was baptized if the Protestants, but there's problems with this because you know most Protestants don't believe that baptism is even necessary for salvation. You know, so and a lot of, bap, of baptisms by Protestants they don't even use the proper formula, and so it gets complicated. But uh, but if a Catholic gets a dispensation of cult to marry, say, a Jewish man or a woman it would be a valid but natural marriage. It wouldn't be a sacrament because they're not they're, the Jewish person or Muslim, whatever it be, would not, is not uh, baptized. Does that cover everything? Max?
0: That, that covers the three questions for this podcast. And if you have questions you would like to have addressed on the podcast, email questions at SOTI podcast.org. And again, that email address will be in the show notes wherever you're hearing this podcast. And on that point, you were asking me whether or not uh, this podcast was available on Spotify. I never submitted it for Spotify, and I don't know if uh, podcasts automatically show up there. It was this one was submitted to the podcast index and also the Apple iTunes index, and between the two of those, those um, supply the the list of where it what what are in, what podcasts exist to the vast majority of apps. I don't think Spotify is on that list. I think they play their own game. they they're a little weird in that respect. Uh, if if somebody wants this this ad or this uh, podcast on Spotify, uh, I I can submit it. I would humbly request that you don't do that. Just uh, get a different podcast app, and you can email me, and I can suggest a whole bunch of them for you. Or I might just put those in the show notes too.
1: Uh, Max, one more. I want to go back to the question because I'm seeing on my notes here. I didn't answer the one thing where you the question was: Is it a serious sin? to just not ask questions accepting everything on a superficial level attending the wedding because it's close family and we don't want to lose them. So yeah, we I, we have to question. If you know your your nephew or your niece is getting married and you don't know you, is is it going to be in a church and you get it, you know there's even on the invitation there's no church you got to you you got a question and then in in charity you should and I mean charity this is all nonsense today. That you don't confront people in sin, especially you know you love your son, your daughter, whoever's getting married, and they want to. Ma- you have to say, "I'd love, I, I would love to come to your marriage, but it's not being it's not being blessed by God. I can't do that." And you explain to them and tell them how you're concerned for their soul, and and it's 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 very important. There's and a lot of people just think, oh, I don't know. Don't ask, <laughs> you know. Don't tell. All that nonsense. It's no good. You know, there's there's all kinds of ignorance. Uh, everybody always talks about invincible ignorance, which is due to you know no fault of your own. But there's also what we call effective ignorance, and effective ignorance is really bad sin because effective ignorance is say, you know, I, I think this is wrong this, but I want to do this so. I'm not gonna go check with Father Isaac or Father whoever his name is, because I'm afraid he's gonna tell me that it's wrong and I can't do it and then you go and do it. No, that, that's your conscience is just the voice of God is convicting you and you have to solve your doubt now. And so with these, I've helped many people with this and uh, it's caused a lot of problems, but our Lord said, remember, I didn't come to bring peace, but bring to bring a sword, to put mother against daughter, father against son. And what does he mean by that just just in situations like this that are you going to put christ first in the church or are you going to put yourself in human respect first and uh and so we 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 do this and this is true love this is true charity and this is the problem we have As uh, the next part we're going to go to talking about the the new document fiducia super again and the the sacred congregation just came out with another clarifying uh statement because there's so much confusion there's no confusion but anyway so you should question your loved ones the question too about if they were living in sin and and and, uh, you know should you go to the wedding? if 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 the church is blessing the marriage you can go i mean that's up to the, uh, the the real the priest is the one that should be checking these things and uh you know and people could go to the priest. That's why they post the bans have to be public, publicly posted, you know, before the marriage. For uh, the church has always done that. And I know people out of God say, you know, this—they're living in sin. They're doing this, and the, the priest shouldn't marry someone who's living in sin like that. Normally speaking. Uh, uh, like when people, if they came up to me and I, and they said, oh, would you marry me, Father Isaac? And if they're cohabitating, so, first of all, you're going to have to split up as far as you cannot cohabita- cohabitate for a you know, good six months. And, uh, you know, are you truly sorry for your sins? But you, as, as somebody just getting an invitation, you know, you don't have that responsibility. If they their loved one, I would talk to them and say, you know, I'm worried about you. Because you've been living in sin for two or three years. And even though the church is going to bless your marriage, what happens is when they go to the altar, they confer the sacrament on each other. It's not the priest. The priest is there to bless it. And so if they're in mortal sin, say they don't go to confession, they've been cohabitate, The sacrament, will be it will be a sacrilege, but it will be valid, but there'll be no fruit from the sacrament and then the only way they could get the fruit from the sacrament is to make a confession and then they have to have a true sorrow for their sins now as far as the amendment of life they're married so they're not living in sin no more but are they truly sorry that they live to say two or three years in mortal sin i don't know you know i hope so but that's going to be hard when you you're only you know so many of these priests they say i oh, don't worry about it you know, right before the wedding, I'll hear your confession. I'll give you three Hail Marys for a, a, committing grave mortal sins for the last three years. That's that's nonsense.
0: Well, you mentioned that this flows into the recent document that came out of the, what is it called this week? Congregation for the Doctrine? It's not Congregation yeah, it's for the di- Doctrine
1: Dicastery. of Faith. It's called the Dicastery for the Doctrine of Faith.
0: Which more or less green lights what we were just saying you're not allowed to do.
1: Yes, and because that, it, let's face it, in Amoris Letizia, which was uh, another blasphemous, heretical document that, you know, was telling us that divorce, remarried outside the church, that start other families can, you know, receive the sacraments, you know, which is, is nonsense, you know. Uh, that was just a preparation for Fiducia Supercons, let's face it. And it's really just to promote homosexuality, totally. But once you do away with uh, the you tack marriage like this, like I said on the podcast before, you just undo the whole fate. Uh, sin, redemption, the cross, uh, you know, it's a nightmare. And so, but that's what they're doing in this new document, of course. And now they want to and they say, there's, well, there's no, we're not changing anything because marriage is still just for, between a man and a woman exclusively, but we're just saying that, that they can receive blessings. Well, we all know that that's all nonsense. And if the if it was so clear and they didn't change anything, why are they threatening now, the bishops throughout the world? Uh, so, so in the beginning of this document, which was published on uh, the 4th of January, Okay, it said this. We are writing this press release to help clarify the reception of Fiducia Supercons while recommending at the same time a full and calm reading of the declaration so as to better understand its meaning and purpose. And so we're dealing with nothing but semantics, and these guys are wordsmiths and they're devils. And to imply that all is like say over a thousand bishops is a really uh, rising up and uh, and tell them, we are not gonna implement this. And some of them are telling their priests they are forbidden to bless these couples as individual. Yes, but no couples. And if you don't think that they read that very uh, over and over again before they would stand up publicly and tell Bogolia, we are not gonna, you have crossed the line, we are not following this. Well, they read it, and they read it very clearly, and it's very clear what this is about. And uh, in number five, it, in the document, it says this, I quote, for this reason, every bishop in his diocese is authorized by the Declaration for ducha Supercons to make this type of simple blessing available bearing in mind the need for prudence and care but in no way is he authorized to propose or make blessings available that may resemble a liturgical rite. that's the end of the quote there so this is so diabolical because what they're saying is that these bishops now they're authorized by this blasphemous document all right to make these blessings available they they must make, it. they have to make it available. And so what this is setting up is for what Pope Francis said when he first became Pope, he said that he will be the Pope to bring about the schism in the church. And it seems that this is what's gonna happen here, that they're gonna, the faithful bishops are gonna be considered schismatic, but it won't be them. It will be all those that obey this document so they're going to put pressure now on the bishops to put pressure on the priest. And then when these people come and the priest, a good priest says no, he's going to go to the bishop, the pr- bishop's going to take his head and all this nonsense. So this is what's going on here. And it's, it's just totally, totally diabolical, totally. Number six, I quote, it says, we will all have to become accustomed to accepting the fact that if a priest gives this type of simple blessings he is not a heretic he's not ratifying anything nor is he denying Catholic doctrine and but that's not what all all the bishops say no it, this is you can't reconcile this with the gospel you can't reconcile uh, blessing couples and in in this new thing it talks about blessing them publicly and so you can't the only thing you when uh, people when they come as a couple, what are you blessing? You're blessing the thing that unites them, which is basically sodomy. And uh, it goes on. He said, it is, he goes on. He says, if this is clarified as a result of good catechesis, we can free ourselves from the fear that these blessings of ours may express something inadequate. We can be freer and perhaps closer and more fruitful ministers with a ministry that is full of gestures, of fatherhood and hospitality without fear of being misunderstood. I, this, like I said, this is such, such nonsense. And so I want to quote to you from a Hungarian bishops conference, and the representative said this, I quote, When a same-sex couple asks for a blessing, especially by asking for it together, they're expression, expressing that they also want to ask for God's blessing. And the church's moral approval for their relationship and life choices choices. We would be perverting the gospel of Christ. I will, I'll repeat that. We would be perverting the gospel of Christ and not doing, and not doing what we should do as pastors to such a couple if we gave them a blessing in such a case. And further, the gospel of Christ is not only about God's infinite mercy, but is also, it, but it also calls us to repentance. If this second half is left out, it becomes a false gospel. Jesus calls us to enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the way that leads to destruction. That's from Luke 13. He invites us to light our candle and put on our wedding clothes so that we will not find ourselves at the closed door on the last day. Jesus protects marriage with special strength and jealous love. God created man and woman at the beginning of all creation. And so this is what the bishops are saying, many of them, many of them. So it's obviously totally opposite of what uh, Cardinal Fernandez is saying. And then he goes, therefore, I continue, in accordance with the decision of the Hungarian Catholic Bishops' Conference, I call on priests not to bless same-sex couples in the diocese. Let us welcome with great love and respect our brothers and sisters who are attracted to people of the same sex, but let us not justify their wrong life choices, but rather help them on the path of life according to to the gospel of christ this makes us real authentic shepherds and brothers Uh, common sense uh i mean max i know you're a father of eight children correct yes so when your children are doing wrong do you you correct them or do you give them a blessing what do you do max
0: (laughs) i definitely correct them and and if they want a blessing I, i i can give my a paternal blessing. It's obviously not the same as a as a priestly blessing, and maybe that's a question for another time. What what blessings can parents yeah. give? Um, but
1: my but, point is, you correct them.
0: Absolutely, and it kind of kind of goes with a line you mentioned in, from the document from Fernandez that made me roll my eyes and chuckle a bit. He says, "If this is clarified with good catechesis, um, if we had good catechesis that was being taught, we wouldn't need this document. There would be no there be no question about what the church teaching is, what the moral teaching is, and what you're allowed to do."
1: Without a doubt, and and this is it. And uh, this is uh, such a horrible sin. Like when, last week when I read from St. Peter's Damian, the book of Gomorrah, on the horribleness of their vice, and it really ripped me up in, uh, in true sorrow for these poor souls that are in bondage with this horrible sin because the consequences are devastating. And uh, like I said, I guarantee you, If there was a homosexual listen, a lesbian listening to that, they would probably say, this this is describing what I'm going through because it's so, they're in pain, they're not happy. And the last thing, the worst thing we could do is to confirm them in their errors. So what I want to do right now, it's at the end, uh, is I want to read again from the book of Gomorrah, from St. Peter Damien, the doctor of the church. And it's really, so this part is, it's an exhortation, it says, to the reform of one addicted to homosexuality. So he, he, last week I described how horrible and what's the effects of it. But now he's, it's an exhortation to reform and it's beautiful. And so. Uh, if anyone's listening out there is a homosexual, or lesbian, and those that are not that know people that are or we run into, and this is true charity that the Pope <laughs> Francis should be telling them what Saint Peter Damien's telling them here, and in encouraging them to 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 go and sin no more, that you know to to cleanse yourself, to amend your life. God, Saint Paul tells us, will not be mocked. Will not be mocked. And so I'm going to quote, I'm going to start reading now this exhortation to reform of one who's addicted to homosexuality. So I quote, he says, Rouse yourself, I tell you, arise and be awake, you who were overcome by the sleep of pathetic pleasure. Come alive at last, you who fell before the deadly sword of your enemies. The apostle Paul is here. Listen to him as he briskly demands a hearing, knocking at your door and calling to you in clean-cut words. Wake up from your sleep, he says, and rise from the dead, and Christ will receive you. If you hear Christ who restores life, why do you feel uncertain of your restoration? Listen to his own words, If anyone believes in me, he says, even though he dies, he will live. If life endowing life itself seeks to raise you up, why do you further tolerate lying dead? So beware of drowning in the depths of despondency. Your heart should beat with confidence in God's love and not grow hard and penitent in the face of your great crime. It is not sinners, but the wicked who should despair. It is not the magnitude of one's crime, but contempt of God that dashes one's hope. If indeed the devil is so powerful that he is able to hurl you into the depths of this vice, how much more effective is the strength of Christ to restore you to the lofty position from which you have plummeted? Shall he that has fallen never get up again? If the ass of your flesh has fallen amuck under its load, it is the goad of penance that urges it and the hand of the spirit that manfully draws it free. Because the mighty Sansom wickedly revealed his secret to a flattering woman, he lost not only the seven locks of his hair by which his strength was nourished, but he also blinded, but was also blinded after his capture by the Philistines. Yet when his hair grew out again, he humbly called for help and the Lord, his God, destroyed the temple of dragon and killed a far greater number of his enemies than he had ever killed before. Excuse me, it was the temple of Dagon. And he killed a far greater number of his enemies than he had ever killed before. Then, if your impure flesh has deceived you with homosexual persuasions, if it has stolen the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, if it has extinguished not merely the light in your countenance, but that of your spirit, do not be depressed and utterly despair. Once again, collect your forces, bestir yourself like a man. Dare to perform great deeds, and by so acting, you will have the strength through the mercy of God, to triumph over your enemies. The Philistines indeed had the power to shave Samson's locks, but not to uproot them, which means that the evil spirits too, even though for a time they may deprive you of the charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit, they will never succeed in denying you the remedy of God's forgiveness. How, I ask, can you despair of the bountiful mercy of the Lord who even reprimanded the Pharaoh because after his his sin he had not sought refuge in the remedy of penance? Listen carefully to what he says. I have broken the arm of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he has not begged that it be healed and made strong enough to wield the sword again. What shall I say? Ahab, king of Israel, after he had built idols and foully murdered Naboth of Jezreel. He at last, to some degree, humbled himself and so was also in part shown mercy. As we read in scripture after hearing the warnings of the divine terror, he tore his garment, put sackcloth next to his skin and fasted, slept in sackcloth and walked with his head bowed down. And what followed? Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite and said, have you seen how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Since he has humbled himself on my account, I will not bring the disasters in his days. Hence, if the repentance of this man was not despised, even though he was known, as we know, he did not persevere. Why do you doubt the generosity of God's mercy if you strive with all your strength to persevere. Begin an unremitting struggle against the flesh, always standing armed against the dangerous disease of passion. If the flames of unclean desire burn in your bones, extinguish them at once by calling to mind the everlasting fire. If the sly tempter puts before your eyes an intense envision of the flesh, Address your thoughts at once to the tombs of the dead and take careful note of what you find there that pleases the touch or delights the eye. Consider, moreover, that the poison now causes such an intoler- intolerable stench, stench that the corrupted matter that breeds and nourishes worms, that everything seen lying there in arid dust or ashes was once thriving flesh that in its prime sustained passion like this. Notice finally the rigid sinus, the naked teeth, the disassembled array of joints and bones and arrangement of all the members in horrible disarray. Thus indeed does the horror of this formless and confused vision dispel illusion from the heart of man. Think again of the peril of this exchange that for momentary pleasure and experience at the moment of ejaculation, a punishment will follow that will not end for thousands of years. Ponder how sad it is that because one member is not satisfied to the full, the whole body together with the soul is afterwards tortured forever in a dreadful holocaust. By using the impenetrable shield of thoughts like these, riff off, Riff off the evil that threatens you and purge past sins through penance. Break the pride of your flesh by fasting. Nourish your soul at the banquet of constant prayers. Thus, by disciplinary firmness, the dominant spirit takes the lead in compelling its subjects flesh and urges it daily to quicken its pace in striving for the heavenly Jerusalem. And that's the end of that quote. And so we could see that St. Damien is filled with compassion. If Fernandez and Bogolia would only have compassion for these men, but they have no compassion for them because they're confirming them in their sins. They're blessing them, and they're not telling them, go and sin no more. I've been preaching, it's going to be 25 years now, and I've done missions all over the world. And I preach normally, if i never been to a parish before, I preach on the four last things. Death, judgment, heaven, and hell. And let me tell you something. Today's church, they don't want to hear those four things. But guess what? That's what converts souls when they're confronted with their sins. When they're told how horrible it is and they know because they're suffering. They have no peace. Nobody that's living in mortal sin can have peace in their soul. And it's St. Peter and Damian, he, he goes throughout the scriptures that when men repent, God is just waiting like the prodigal son's father. The prodigal son was living a bad life. He left and he came back. The father was waiting for him, looking for him every day. That's God the father. And when he saw his son, he didn't, he wasn't. Filled with pride and arrogance, he didn't even like me yeah, come and bow down and and I, I'm going to humiliate you. He ran towards his son. He picked up his his robe so he could run faster and embraced him. But his son was sorry for his sins. His son was sorry, and he embraced him with love. So, my friends, let us never give up on wicked sinners, no matter who they are, whether it's yourself or anyone. Because the devil—that's what he does. First, he puts doubts in you. Then he comes with the big lie and then once you bite into that lie then he comes he gets you depressed and then he, after you get depressed he leads you into despair because he wants you to go out and hang yourself but christ is there no matter how wicked your sins are he'll forgive them no matter how wicked if you're sorry if you repent and so what good is it if two homosexual come to me and I'm going to bless them without correcting them, without even, I'm not, I'm going to say, no, you, you got to knock this off. Both of you, it's got to go your own way. It's knock it off. Go repent. I'll help you in that road. I will help you. I will show you, help you do penance. I will help you on the road, show you what you have to do. Pray for you. Our Lady of Fatima told us that most souls go to hell because no one will pray or do penance. So if we're willing to pray for these people, that's the the hope for them, and that we can help them like that. But you don't help them by confirming them in their sins. You don't. And so let us pray that this is what the Vatican will start putting out, telling these people, yes, God is compassionate. God is merciful. And uh, St. Augustine talks about, yeah, God's mercy is infinite. But his acts of mercy are finite. What does that mean? If you come to God with a humble, contrite heart, he never turns away a humble, contrite heart. And you go to confession and you are truly sorry for your sins and you have amendment of life, it doesn't matter if you have 10 billion sins. God will pay the price and he'll forgive it. But you have to have the amendment of life. You have to promise that. You have to promise that and so get this right you know if you have people out there you don't have to be nasty you don't you don't you you treat them with respect but you never condone them in their sin i don't know if you want to add anything max
0: not really um the the only thing i I would mention is uh the the four last things if you've never heard a, a Lenten mission given on that the recordings of those are available online i'll put some links in the show notes um, but that's the only thing I've got to add on that topic.
1: Yeah. And and I could tell you, uh, by preaching the, the true gospel, the full gospel of convicting sinners, but preaching the mercy and, and how many people, like, for instance, there's so many men out there, so many men, are uh, hooked on pornography and are committing wicked sins. Uh, and they can't, they go to church. Some of them are going to mass every day. Some of them go to confession two, three, four times a week. I meet them. I've been delivering those men for 25 years now because I was blessed to be taught by a, a holy, holy man, Father Alphonse Sudden. And he taught us the, the theology of St. Alphonse Liguori. And when you have what we call recidivitous sinners, those are someone that commits a mortal sin and repeats it and then goes to confession again. and and he repeats it. Saint Alphonse, but the third time, and that could be three times in a year, you're recidivist sinners, and and most likely your absolutions are not valid. And so, what we got to do is delay the absolution. We apply remedies, a prescription uh, for the soul, and uproot it. And and let me tell you something. I tell those men when I preach, uh, you men, you you're sitting right in front of me and you know who you are because you're ready to despair, you're going to Mass, you're, they tell, Father, I pray my Rosary, I, I they told me it works, I, I go to Communion, and all these things, I'm doing, it's not, you know, part, part of, of the fault is on the priest, unfortunately, because they were never trained properly, especially after the Council. Uh, you know, this is what Bagolius says that we are, uh, all priests have to absolve everyone, even if they're not repentant. What kind of nonsense is that? That's not only blasphemy; it's sacrilege. And I tell a soul, you know, I have a soul too. As a priest, I absolve you. If you're not going to give up your sin, I'm I'm carrying God's wrath on me, and I'm not going to hell for anyone. You know, so but my point I'm trying to make is these men respond because when I talk to them, I'm talking right to their soul. They are on the verge of despair. Don't give up, my friends. Don't give up. Do not give up. God, as long as you're breathing, you you could save your soul. As long Saint Louis de Montfort. Great. That's another book uh, we put down last week, too, True Devotion. I recommend getting the collective works of St. Louis. He tells you that if you have one hair sticking out of hell, one hair, and you call on Our Lady, she'll snatch you out of hell. And so St. Augustine warns us, though, you know, the devil, before you sin, He'll tell you, he'll put talk to you about the mercy of God. God's merciful, He'll forgive no matter how much. Don't worry about it. But after you sin, this is the devil's trick. He switches gears. Then he goes, You're unforgivable. Your sin. God will look at you. You're disgusting. You, you, you look what you did to God. You abandoned God. You did this. God will never forgive you. And so he lies to you. Both times, you know, and, you know, it's true in the beginning when you tell God is all merciful. Yes. But, you know, mercy can't be separated from just justice. So St. Augustine says, therefore, his advice is before you sin, meditate on God's justice. After you sin, meditate on his mercy. You see, it's the exact opposite of the game that Satan plays. And that's what he's all He's the ape of God. He's always doing everything in reverse, this clown so that's what he does so so many I, listen i've been preaching missions 25 years and for years when i was doing a lot of big missions i would hear confessions 12 12 to 16 hours a day i can't tell you how many souls are, are, are despairing they despair and and i've had so many people try to come up to me and tell me that they're happy in their sin. They're happy being a homosexual. They're happy uh, committing fornication. They're happy doing I I look at them right now. I say, You're you're lying to yourself and you're lying to me. So and and you know what? So we start talking. In the end, they all they break down. They say, how do you know? I said, How I know? Because nobody can be happy without the Holy Trinity dwelling in this soul. Nobody can be happy. Why? Because the Baltimore Catechism is simple. Why why were you created? to know God, to love him, to serve him in this world in order to be happy with him forever and the next. And unless we're doing those things, we will never, never, never be happy. Never, never.
0: And, and conversion is, is not an instant thing either. I mean, yes, that you go to confession, you you make a sincere confession, a valid one, the sins are forgiven, that's instant. But you still have to fight against the ingrained tendency from your own bad habits. And that's something that's going to take, it could be, um, it could be days, weeks, years. It could be the rest of your life. And yes, that that's the, it, it, it's, it's good. In, in in the sense that you now have something to work against and earn merit, it's also bad that you can't, uh, drop your guard because like father said, Satan, <laughs> he he's very clever. Unlike politicians, he tells the truth, but he tells the wrong truth and he's he's telling you something that's got just enough poison in it to to really mess you up. So it's it's good. It's going to be a whether you're fighting with these sins or or just anything, you're going to you're always going to have struggle. So embrace that. That's how we grow in holiness.
1: It's a good point because conversion is is a daily thing. It's not just a one-time we may have a big conversion in our life, but once again, we have to stay on that path. And this is why I said uh, in the beginning, and we're going to do it like today. We covered the morning offering, and we started with the Holy Trinity. And then next week we'll go on to the offering of the Blessed Mother, and we'll talk about her for a while, like, a real while, because to stay in sanctifying grace, you, you, we only it said you have to. We have to do violence to ourselves to get to heaven. It takes work, and that's why Saint Alfonso Gory says we have to pray every day for final perseverance but he says god gives us it's like a chain he gives us only a link at a time because we, we he don't want us to presume so many people think they're just skating into heaven these days oh everyone goes to heaven all you have to do is say the jesus prayer dear jesus uh, you're my savior i'm sorry for all my sins come into my heart and now you're saved that's all nonsense but we have to work out saint paul says work out our salvation in fear and in trembling and that's why, you know, I mean, we're going to go through that whole list one by one. What does it take to live a holy life? And that's why, you know, the morning offering we start. Then we're going to talk about the consecration to Our Lady, praying the rosary, wearing a the scaffold Then we're going to talk about mental prayer, and how awesome it is. And these are the things, you know, like the car. You know, they always tell you, you drive your car as long as you have gas. You run out of gas, you're going nowhere. Well, in the spiritual life. It's St. Alphonse says only only those will be saved who pray. Only those who only those who pray will be saved. It's true. And so these these things that want to teach uh, go all, even if you know them, we all know them, but it's good to go over it over and over again. And if we we, we drop the ball, we want to pick the ball up. You know, the the sacraments of going to confession is such a great, great 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 gift and god gave it to us because he knows even after baptism we have original sin but we have the residue called concupiscence, and people fall and we're surrounded by a world of, of wicked sinners and and there's pornography or when you're driving your car everywhere like i warned you before about these uh stretching exercises you know if you're going to a gym and you're doing these and and, and you're dressing with this spandex and all this nonsense everything those are you know, you go to a gym, you go there, you want to be healthy, but what good is if your body's healthy and your soul is 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 in mortal sin and you're gonna die? What good is it? You know? So these are these are the things that you know I I hope that I could help everyone, help everyone with every week, touching upon one of them. Then we'll go like mental prayer. We're gonna go through, you know, a little track on mental prayer and show you how to do it, teach you how to do it. But it's up to you to do it. And then, if you feel, we say, you know, Lord, help me, bless a mother. She's the mediator of graces. I, I, I don't want to do this, I. But I know I have to do it. You know, let's face it. We don't want to go to the doctor. Who likes going to the dentist? I tell you this. I don't. <laughs> you know, but if you don't go, you know, you, you're going to not only lose your teeth, but that infection will go to your heart, go to your brain, and kill you. And so, if we don't get spiritually uh, uh, trained. It's a battle. Spiritual combat. And that's another book we could put down by Scopoli, Spiritual Combat. It's a great book and it teaches you, you know, but this is what we hopefully we're going to accomplish here. Not just talking about the problems in the church, but really getting serious because change starts with you as an individual. And I always tell people, don't don't let anyone lie to you. Don't let Satan lie to you, tell you, what, so what? What are you going to do? You ain't changing nothing, never mind the world. Well, look at St. Francis of Assisi, one man, 800 years ago, one man that said yes to God, totally, gave everything, everything. He used to say, my God and my all, and God was his everything. But look at the all the men that and women have followed him in religious life and at the end of the general judgment we're going to see how many souls made it to heaven because saint francis said yes to god and there's people out there too god believe me you don't have to be a preacher uh, 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 you know whatever to bring people to heaven with you everyone's going to bring people to heaven with them or people to hell with them
0: yeah you preach the gospel by your actions and only use words when necessary. And I, I know it's in some cases when you talk about it, all the people who've been saved by the the spiritual sons and daughters of whether it's Saint Francis or Saint Dominic or all the other saints, it, it can sometimes make you feel envious of why couldn't I live in those times? Uh, look out the door. We actually have a much more target rich environment for for helping to preach the faith and 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 bear witness to people who don't believe
1: there and and you know i was a prison chaplain for years and i used to tell those men in jail you may they may put you behind the bars and and for good reasons you belong here you know but they can't imprison your soul and so i taught those men when i used to when i was in jail um, prison ministry how to pray how some of them i'm telling you were unbelievable because they you know it reminds me of the little flower in one sense like she was a cloistered nun behind bars but for good reasons and but she wanted to be everything she wanted to be a martyr she wanted to be a missionary priest but how many souls made it to heaven and will make it to heaven because of saint Teresa, the little flower and so whoever you are you know your prayers mean everything and this is why it's so important to stay in sanctifying grace because if you're not in sanctifying grace you get no merit whatsoever for or any good you do you could be the biggest philanthropist in the world you could give a billion a trillion to help or homeless people help people you get no merit for zilch nothing and if you say you were uh in sanctifying grace for 25, 30 years say, and then you committed a bad moral sin, guess what? All the merit that you stored up for those 25, 30 years, you lost it all. You lost it all. But here's the beauty of that. God is so awesome that when you come back to confession, you confess those sins and you come back into sanctifying grace, which means that the Holy Trinity takes possession of your soul again god is so awesome that he restores all those graces that you previously had stored up he restores them to you that's so. so say in other words if a guy had 10 million dollars in cash he loses it all because he did something stupid he ain't getting it back but god gives it back that's so awesome. now the, the the time that you're a mortal sin say you're a mortal sin for a week any good thing you do in a week you get no merit for it but all the other merit was accumulated and lost is restored. And that's awesome. And so when we don't want, if you're a mortal sin, please run to confession, take it serious. And when you read the lives of the saints, when you, if you click in, I hope you people are starting to take advantage of that, uh, St. Alphonse's daily meditations for the whole year. You, It's it's almost impossible. You won't be able to, if you're w- living a wicked life, right? You'll either stop reading that or you're going to stop sinning. Let's pray that it's the sin that stops.
0: Absolutely. And also on that website is also the Spiritual Combat, as well as True Devotion to the Blessed, Mer- Blessed Virgin by St. Louis de Montfort. It's not just the Meditations and Readings by St. Alphonsus. There's there's three books on that website.
1: Uh, that's It's great. It really is. And uh, and we mentioned last week, too, another one for the daily meditations, if you want. They're not as long as St. Alphonse, but they are powerful is divine intimacy and you could get that book uh you could still buy that book it's awesome and it's really it takes you once again through the whole spiritual life the the purgative the uh and the unitive it, it drew but it really teaches you how to live a holy life
0: and i i'm pretty sure that was the one when i was looking for links to put in the show notes if you wanted to uh link through and and uh peruse or buy it uh, the only uh, copies of that that I was finding were like $80 leather bound books that no, there weren't paper bound books. I don't know if that's temporary or that's just supply and demand. That's also, it's in the public domain. That's someplace on the internet, but I think I've seen versions of it that are very truncated. That's definitely not the whole thing. I'll I'll do some more research, or if you know where this is in its entirety online, uh, send me an email and, and we'll share that out. All right. Uh, the only other closing words I have is if you have, um, comments, questions, or, you know, where some of these books are online for free, the email address is questions at S O T I podcast.org. That's soldiers of the immaculate, but way easier to spell, uh, the daily spiritual readings the father just mentioned, the link to those will be in the show notes as well as any of the books that we've mentioned in the podcast today.
1: All right. So you could, everyone can bow their head for God's blessing. Pax et benedictio de uno potente pace et firie et spiritus san Dei super vos et omnes amen